And welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. Today we have an exceptional newcomer to our market. And he, this, this this book just blew me away. Like I started reading it the other night and I thought, oh my gosh, like I just cannot wait to talk to this person and just dive in and just go for it. I will apologize to him now because I will probably butcher his name. <laughs> and I hope he doesn't hold that against me. But I will try my best. But before we uh, talk to this exceptional individual, I want to share with you a very quick uh, advert from Marianne Curley. And it's for her Time Guardian series. And it's number book four. And it's called The Shadow. The battle is over. The war is won. The prophecy complete. But life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan. Struggling to cope with tragic loss. At odds with friends in the guard. He finds himself adrift, jumping at the shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Lathena's death, Giselle swears revenge and vilify the immortal's plan for world domination. But Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart or the strings of a goddess, short on praise but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battle through the past and into an impossible future, darkness lurks around every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? A quick reminder that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Rowan, um, which is her Roman British crime series, is having a large donation uh, from her royalties given to the Ukraine crisis. And her agent has donated her entire commission. With that being said, uh, let's get on to some happier things and some happier thoughts because it's that beautiful time of day. So I want to introduce you to Kai Walden. Oh, please tell me I said that right. Yeah, Kai Walden. Walden. Okay, I was close. I was close. (laughs) I always feel so bad because I can never get people's names right. (laughs) You did well. I should have asked you that before I started. So it's my own fault. My own fault. But please, I mean, I wanted to share this book with everyone because made a folded paper just, it made me smile. It made me have like tears of joy kind of came up into my eyes because it is just that kind of story that I wish that I could have read years ago and to acquaint myself with and just to be able to to escape into it and fall in love with it so why don't you tell us a little bit about it and then maybe you could tell us what inspired you to write this and what inspired you to dive into these these topics sure So Made of Folded Paper is a queer contemporary romance book. It's about a small town boy from Iowa who goes to college in Michigan, where his peers nickname him Iowa. And he ends up joining a close-knit friend group and kind of forming different connections with his three new friends over time. So his three friends, there's L.A., the actor who always wants to be the center of attention. There's Cynic, the jaded rich boy from the East Coast. And there's Charlie, who's very mysterious and wants nothing to do with Iowa at first. 
And Iowa becomes fascinated with Charlie in a way that he can't really explain at first. But when Charlie eventually opens up to him, it turns into romance. And the story covers two years of their lives together in college as they navigate romantic entanglements, jealousy, heartbreak, and tragedy, and each try to find their place in the world. I just and, love that. Yeah. So I wrote this story because I'm transgender, and as a queer transgender man, I really wanted to put something out there that really represents me and can introduce people to my lifestyle and I kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's, it's very difficult when, you know, you're doing your very first um, <laughs> promotion of something and it's, it's so meaningful what you're talking about. And it's, I can just only imagine just the the feeling that you must must be feeling to to take on this journey and to you know that takes so much confidence and courage and pride. We we all are in total awe of you and appreciate what you're giving us. Um, I don't think words could could cover it. So. Take your time and, and just know that we all love you here and you are in the safest space and we just, we cannot wait to read the story and learn about Iowa and all the things that he's going to go through. So is there something that you're writing right now that you're excited about that you want to share with us? Yeah, actually, I'm just finishing up a fantasy novel that I've been working on on and off for about five years. That's, that sounds cool. Can you tell us a little bit more or, yeah, or is it I'll... like super secret? <laughs> no, it's not a secret. It's called The Warden's Path. Um, so it's a fantasy novel. It's set in a realm where nomadic clans fight magical wars over territory. And the main character is chosen as a child to serve his clan as warden, meaning he's responsible for controlling his clan's magus. And yeah. magi are people who possess destructive power and are kind of used as weapons against other clans. And they're basically thought of as like mindless monsters. But as the main character gets to know his magus, he finds out that that's not the case. And the two of them have a very complicated relationship that eventually turns romantic. And ultimately, they have to choose between living a peaceful life together and going to war to save their clan. And it's the first installment in a series, so I hope it will be a trilogy. It sounds amazing, and I, I certainly will be looking out for that. Um, so yeah, that sounds, that sounds awesome. So let's talk a little bit about um, books because, you know, as writers, a part of our lifestyle is we have to actually read a lot. Um, and so that's so that we can understand, you know, the changes in techniques and the changes in, in writing styles and how our industry is progressing. So what is the book that you've read most recently that stuck with you the most? Um, I would say The Goldfinch by Donna Tartt. Have you read it? Why, why do you think that book stuck with you? 
Um, well, I read her book, The Secret History, years ago, and it made a really big impact on me, but I didn't get around until, to reading The Goldfinch until this year. Um, both of them are really life-changing books. She has this amazing gift for character development. Like, her characters are more real than real people, and they yeah. stick with you forever. And she also has this ability to spin these, like, elaborate tapestries of relationships between characters, which is what I look for most in a book. Yeah, so, that sounds amazing. Yeah, so right now I would describe The Goldfinch as my favorite book. And well, I, I definitely will be looking out for that one. <laughs> I, it was so weird because when I knew you were coming on, I had, like, a whole list of books that I was going to recommend you because... I've had such an amazing opportunity to meet some amazing people on my kind of trend, like my journey as well. Like, and one of the most funniest stories I ever read was the Morgan Vampire series by Rachel Kane, because it's literally the funniest series just with like, you've got this crazy vampire who has to wear you know, vampire bunny slippers to go and do physics because if he doesn't have his slippers, it's like he doesn't have a superpower of mental stability. And she really, um, in a kind of great way, she teaches inclusivity and she teaches us about not judging things by like how they appear. And she really kind of tackles the idea of you know, don't bully someone just because you don't like where they came from or the fact they're new or the fact that, you know, you don't know them. Always get them an opportunity because you never know who's going to end up saving your life from a really random kind of obstacle-filled world. Um, and I liked it. And I loved that uh, there was, a, you know, it's, it's a basically a town in the desert and there's this university that this young girl goes to and she's never left home before and she's a little young and she's smart and, you know, a bit naive and and she ends up entangled in this web of vampire hierarchy and and, and she can't leave the town because this town's got this very physics-bound boundary system that doesn't let her leave. Um, and it's just, it's so much fun and it's just a really easy series to read, so... I just thought, you know, you would, I kind of thought you'd appreciate the humor of it and, and I could see you kind of chuckling with some yeah, of the, yeah. I'm definitely a big jokes. fan of vampires. I love what we do in the shadows. So anything yeah, so silly with vampires sounds great to me. The other um, series that she did was a kind of librarian series. And that's really awesome because imagine if like books controlled the world like power controlled the world and libraries had all the knowledge and all the power. Um, and it's about this group of people that sort of fight that kind of system and the corruption. And it's this very awkward group of totally different five people who go on this adventure to return the knowledge to everyone and make it accessible for everybody. And, um, I just, I love it, and I love how they use books as the center of this uh, huge world, and I love 
love how it's a bit it has a dystopian feel to it but it's not really dystopian so i thought you would i thought those were two good series that i could see you kind of curled up in the sun with your shades on and <laughs> you know reading away just enjoying yeah, that's how really i plan to spend the summer so. there you go so yeah um i always like to share like that's the problem with this show is you end up going home with like 50 recommendations and I have 50 recommendations and <laughs> my husband's like seriously our house cannot fit any more books in here Crystal stop <laughs> stop <laughs> I think he's scared that like our next house will just be built out of books or something that would be amazing I actually think so too if every wall was too. just a bookcase yeah I would love that like a world where your houses are books and you can like Read them by touching them. That would be pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, I sometimes so get really overwhelmed in... by just knowing how many books are out there in the world and that oh. I can never read them all. Yeah, I did too. When I first started this journey, like I started realizing just like how many are out there and like all the different authors who have these amazing stories to tell. I just was completely overwhelmed. But like, my legacy is I want to give that to my children. I want them to be able to pick and choose what universes they get to visit and just give them the best quality of books out there and letting them choose their own paths and, like, their own adventures. And, yeah, I hope, I hope I've hope i left them a good legacy and not one where they're like, Mom, really? Kind of <laughs> style, you know? Um, which I think we all kind of have to, we all kind of go through. So if you had infinite time and you could just sit and read for enjoyment, you get to have one author and one series. Who would be the author and what series would you pick? Oh, and obviously why? I would pick the Old Kingdom series by Garth Nix. Ooh. It was one of my favorite series as a kid and it'll always be a comfort series for me. I actually reread it recently when I was going through kind of a hard time this year, and it really yeah. helped me get back into the creative flow. I always kind of kind of feel bad about rereading books because there are so many new books out there waiting to be discovered, but this series just brings me so much joy. I don't think I'll ever put it down for too long. And but that's a great thing. Like, you know, you've given somebody a really good book if it's something that they go back to. And it yeah. gives them that comfort and it gives them that guidance. And I think that's that's what every author wants to hear. That's what makes us all emotional about what we do. Um, and I, I don't ever feel guilty about that because it's what makes you happy and what makes you smile. That's You're doing the author probably the best justice possible by just reading something that you love. So, yeah, never feel guilty about that ever. <laughs> I definitely need new copies of the series, though, because they're literally falling apart. Oh, I know that feeling. I did that to my... I've got one book called The Horse Whisperer, and I think I read it so many times. Like, the pages actually were falling out. Yep. And my, my hubby realized, and he went and brought me a brand new copy. But there's nothing <laughs> like the old copy. But I had to put it in the bin the other day, because, like, all the pa pages were just gone. Um. <laughs> And I, I was kind of sad, but yeah, you sometimes, sometimes you just need a new copy, but story never changes and uh, exactly. still holds that magic. So, you know, don't, 
Yeah, I was I was like that. Is there an author, past and present, who's in, like influenced, inspired you, and made you ex- excited about both reading and writing? And if so, what was what was the thing that made you write because of of what they've they've produced and what they've given you? Yeah, I would say the authors who's most inspired me is Anne Rice. Ooh, okay. I'm I'm intrigued with this. Uh, I first read Interview with the Vampire when I was like 12, and <laughs> it really just opened up a whole new world for me. So I immediately devoured the rest of the Vampire Chronicles and the Mayfair Chronicles, none of which were age appropriate. <laughs> no, I was just thinking that I'm like, and I thought I was bad. <laughs> yeah, I learned all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, I bet your mom really. was like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sometimes yeah. joke that Anne Rice turned me gay. Hey, I've heard worse things. And <laughs> I, she takes that as a badge of honor. So I don't think she'll be insulted with that at all. Um, I love the fact that you're somebody that has read her and has enjoyed her. Um, and if you're looking for somebody like her, that's just as good and just as inspiring. Um, you should try Shirley Kennan. She has a exceptional vampire series and she's gone through so much in her personal life that she's someone that like all of us truly admire because she got out of awful situation and she's making a fantastic life for herself and she'll be on the show in a couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of, you know, you're sharing this, the the space with some of the best writers in the world here. So, uh, yeah, enjoy yourself. Uh, but, yeah, check her out. Her books are really incredible for just if you want a really good vampire experience. But she, she goes into other areas. She goes into um, demons and angels and all other sorts of uh, gods and uh, shapeshifters and yeah, she doesn't stick to one thing. So, yeah, that sounds. Amazing. It's a long series, though. It's a long commitment. It's Good. like <laughs> she's like like thirty two, thirty four books. So yeah, but um, you should give her a try. She's 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 pretty awesome. I will for sure. You might also have a laugh at some of the uh, very strange things that the guys say because they're a bit dated. <laughs> <laughs> When you go to a bookshop or a bookstore online, where do you naturally gravitate to? Where do you find yourself in the genre sections? Like, what genre do you go to? Definitely fantasy and sci-fi. I spent most of my childhood off in fantasy worlds and still my escape. I'm definitely the most drawn to queer fantasy and sci-fi, which is becoming a lot more common now. So that's really yeah, exciting. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's definitely dangerous for me to go to bookstores nowadays because there are so many new books just calling my name. And you, you feel like you need to just grab them all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Build a house out of them. Um, I love that idea. And, it, it, you know, if you're ever just looking for something like and you can't decide what book to go for, there is actually a great book company, two group book companies called um, Very Loot and Elkrate. And they can send you really awesome books that are fantasy based or queer fantasy based. 
Um, and that's just monthly and you get good swag with it. So you might get some candles and some tea and they do socks and all sorts of lovely little things like blankets and that, that you can just to make it extra fun for you curl up and read the book. Um, yeah, so you, that's some that's an idea for you to maybe yeah, take a look like at a and idea. help you with your journey of, of reading and disappearing into another world. Yeah, take some of the stress away from choosing your next book. Exactly, because like it comes in and it's once a month and you get a new book and they really do like there's a lot of new Asian fantasy coming out and they're really supporting those authors and they're really giving them an opportunity as well. And sometimes like they'll do extra special books. So you'll get ones with sprayed edges and the art in them is absolutely incredible. So you really get like a, a special gift if you, you know, you get a box and, uh, I would say it's really good if you're, you know, you've got a reader friend or a reader daughter and son or whatever, you know, if you order them like a year subscription to that, they will be your best friends for life because it's just such an awesome experience every, every month to open that box and not know what you're going to get. Have you had the experience yet where you've picked up a book and you thought, what on earth is this? Why did I pick it up? Oh my goodness, I can never read this again. <laughs> um, yes. I I do believe that every book I finished reading was worth reading. Otherwise, I wouldn't That's have finished good. it. Yeah. But one book that kind of traumatized me last year was A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. Ah, uh, yeah, I could see why that would be, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely worth reading, and I think it's actually made me a better writer in some ways. But yeah. it was very, very hard to read, and it took me a long time to recover from. It's a beautiful book. Yeah, it, I really can't recommend it to anyone. No, like, it, there is some great books, and I mean, like, I read Twilight um, when it, you know, Twilight came out. Mm -hmm. And then, like, last year, I was going through a really hard time with my health, and my husband brought me the book Edward, which follows the life of the vampire Edward. And I can't recommend that to people because it kind of just felt like she was desperately trying to keep the momentum of Twilight going, but it just didn't like flow very well. It didn't fit. And it was very kind of like stumbly and bumbly. And I felt so bad because I loved her other ones. And I was like really wanting to love this one, but I couldn't because it was just, it was a bit of a disaster and I just, I felt super guilty about like not loving it the way everyone else did. But I, yeah, I just, I, and I still feel guilty about that folks. Like I, I do. Um, and I think there's a lot of books that I end up feeling, you know, that way about. So, so yeah. moving into your, your writing life, the fun part, the part that everybody's been dying to hear. What drew you to write a contemporary romance? Like, what made you want to choose that that sort of setting for your story? I feel like I didn't really set out to write a specific genre. I just had an idea and kind of let it take its course. So I I'm a trans that. man and my partner is a cis man. So I had a cute idea for a romance between a trans man and a cis man, which isn't something I've seen a lot of. 
lot of the romance books I've found that star trans people are geared towards young adults. So I wanted yeah. to write something that's meant for adults that stars a trans person. That's really good. And I think that's, it's such a good thing to hear of all these different um, books coming out. They're inclusive of all these different types of lifestyles and, and our love and like who we love. And I think love is blind, you know? Um, and sometimes that's like the best message to send. And I think you're doing such a great job of that. What made you choose particularly to like go into the LGBT community and like, use that as your you know your first book to launch your writing voice with was it just because your own experiences or was there something more to it well i'm a bisexual non-binary trans man so queer representation is obviously really important to me and everything yeah. i write is queer growing up i really struggled to find quality fiction that featured queer characters of course, yeah. Like, most of the queer books I could find as a teenager were, like, young adult romances about cis gay boys. Yeah. So, yeah. I actually remember thinking to myself as a teenager that if I ever wanted to be a published author, I would have to change the genders of my characters to make them straight, or no one would ever want to read it. I, I so. think 10 years ago, that would have been the case, but I think now you can really yeah, that just was 10 write. Years ago. <laughs> yeah, like, you can really write what you want to write and you can really open your heart up and, and let your story come from there. And I am so yeah. honored to have met you and to hear that you're doing just that, you know, you're not afraid you're standing up and saying, this is my story and I'm representing a group of people that aren't being heard. And that to me is the most amazing thing and encouraged filled thing I've heard in years so thank you thank you doesn't thank you. seem like I'm, enough but thank you for doing that i'm really excited about the growing queer representation in fiction and i'm really excited to be a part of it and i'm excited to be able to follow you and to give you this opportunity to use your voice and use your voice for good and, and to really put yourself out there so yeah thank you what are your dreams for your books? Like, where, what do you dream of them achieving as the years go on? I mean, my greatest dream right now is just to have them published, to be able to hold them in my hands and see them on the shelves among all the great authors that I admire. And, and I, I definitely honestly, think Pride my... Publishing will do that for you. They are one of the best <laughs> in the business. So I think you'll... You're in really good hands with them. Yeah, it's been an amazing experience to be able to just hold my book in my hands because that was my biggest dream. I haven't been able to put it down. I've just been carrying it around with me. <laughs> that is, the, honestly, that's the, the way that all of us feel when we get our first one. I mean, yeah. when I, I did Marie's World, I took it everywhere with me. I was so proud of it. And I still sometimes do take it with me some places, especially if I'm meeting people that, um, I'm doing like a talk and I need that kind of that reminder that I've done this and I've come so far and I needed need just to be reminded of that I'm a good author and I have a good voice and uh, people want to hear from me and I can just look at that book and think I can do this um, so you'll never get you'll never get to that point where you don't want to carry it around honestly it stays <laughs> with you forever 
Um, and it, it's the best reminder. It really is. What's been the biggest trial that you've had to overcome on this journey? What would you say is your biggest obstacle? I guess kind of overcoming my own inferiority complex and self-doubt, which is something I'm still working on. I still don't really feel like a real author, and I'm not sure if I ever will. Oh, you will. When you have your first fan that comes up and kind of hugs you and bursts into tears and says, (laughs) thank you. That's that's the moment where you just feel like you've done something incredible. But you are an author, honey. You've already (laughs) done it. You've already smashed that ceiling. So enjoy this. Enjoy the feeling of holding that book and knowing you did that. You have changed the world today by doing that book. And uh, I look forward to hearing all the beautiful stories you've got yet to tell. I really do. Yeah, this interview process is definitely making me feel more like a real author. So thank you for that. I'm glad I could help you on your journey. And as I said, I was, I got emotional when you said yes, because to me, being able to work with like people from Pride Publishing and kind of giving that inclusive sort of environment and platform for everybody to open up on was my dream. And I just feel like you saying yes was like, you guys accepting me and saying that you guys felt safe to come on and and have these conversations and use the platform and that that means the world to me did you have a moment um when you wrote your next story was it like aha I have the next story that I want to write I know the next thing I'm going on to write or was it kind of like a slow it crept up on you kind of style Um, There's definitely kind of an aha moment, and it always happens at really random times. Like when I had my first idea for made of folded paper, I was grocery shopping with my partner. I love that. Telling him about it in the aisle at the grocery store. (laughs) Oh, you 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 at least have a more appropriate setting than me. Normally, (laughs) my ideas are like three o'clock in the morning, and I sit up like you know the the Waking Dead. I just like sit up almost like. And I'm like, I've got it. I've got to write it down. And then Ian does like the whole soccer mom thing where he puts his arm out like a seatbelt. And he just like pushes me down and goes, sleep, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but if I don't write it down, I forget it. So I've got like a, a notebook slash diary at the side of my bed. And I just like scribble stuff down so I don't forget it. And then in the morning, I'll go and write it out into sort of a bigger plot and break it down and start working on it. But uh, he drives buses, so like he really has to sleep, so he doesn't like get sleepy driving the bus. So me sticking up, like you know, doing the whole popping up thing in the middle of the night is not helpful for him. So I always feel <laughs> I always feel guilty and bad for it. But yeah, I know what that aha moment is. I think you'll have a lot more to come, a lot more haha moments. I think yeah. this is just the beginning. <laughs> What are the, would you say, are the strains of writing the books that you are? Do you like, do you feel like you've got a strain on you as you're writing, like worries and things like that, that crop up on you while you're creating your work? I mean, I definitely worry about what people think and how it will be perceived. I think homophobia and transphobia still make it 
difficult yeah, to find a course. publisher and an audience, although things have certainly gotten better in recent years. Like for Made of Folded Paper, I specifically sought out a queer romance publisher because I didn't know if anyone else would consider it. Yeah, so I think it narrows still... your options a bit, writing in this genre. But things are definitely getting better, and I know major publishers are starting to publish a lot of queer fiction. <clears throat> so I have high hopes for the future. I have an exceptional woman um, who's an amazing, amazing literacy agent, and I will, I will put you in touch with her because she came to me the other day and she said, I really want a queer vampire series. One that gets you weak in the knees and just makes you just fall in love. And I said, well, you know, if I meet someone, I'll pass that along. And uh, honestly, I I am probably going to butcher her name and she's never going to talk to me again because that's just how this goes with Crystal. (laughs) Um, But Lauren, I'm going to attempt this. This is is my moment of, well, it's going to go well or is it going to go bad? So... Lauren Spieler, um, she really does advocate exceptionally well for everybody, but she has been a really big advocate for queer, different queer stories, and she wants those different queer stories, and she wants to represent you guys and, and to, to you know, give you guys a bigger platform and and help you navigate this incredible world. So I will definitely put you in touch with her. Uh, when I did actually sign with a, liter- with a literary agency earlier this year. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, it's called Literary Agency. Oh, wow. That is, honestly, that's amazing. Here I am trying to help, you know, offer help. But uh, you're you're killing it. You're completely just <laughs> absolutely amazing. Wow. Yeah. I appreciate the recommendation though. Well, maybe somebody else who's is, you know, wanting to write queer and, and is scared too will be encouraged to hear about her and about her amazing abilities. What techniques yeah, and, have you used that you particularly loved um using when you started writing and you started to put your book together? Um, I love sharing a book with a friend, like by the chapter as I write it. Yeah. Especially if the friend is also a writer who's working on something. Because then you yeah. can both get into a, like get really into each other's stories and kind of motivate each other to keep going. And it makes yeah. it pretty much impossible to give up on the story you're writing if you've got a reader like, anxiously waiting for it. Yeah, it kind of feels like a, a hidden motivation, a prod from like the other side kind of thing yeah I get I love that because I've worked with critique groups and I've worked with editors and at the moment I'm actually editing a novel chapter by chapter so I feel that kind of constant need like she's on holiday right now so I've got like a little break so I want to get like several chapters ahead and stuff um but yeah like she's like my my poke almost to get get my stuff finished and I'm doing actually a disabled romance so I'm like pushing the barrier with this and I'm not really sure if anyone's going to want it either. So um, yeah, I feel you on that kind of nerve wracking parts of it. And trust me, all authors go through that too. We're always super scared and super nervous about, um, are people going to like it? Uh, Can I find a publisher that will want it? Can, can I 
what can I do with this? Um, so, you know, know that you're not alone. I think that's the biggest like thing that I can let you go away with today. Like, you know, know that you're, you're not alone. Have you done a technique in writing yet where you thought, what was I doing trying that? Like, that was a huge mistake. Why did I, why did I think that was a good idea? Um, <clears throat> I've definitely learned that forcing myself to write when I'm not feeling motivated or inspired is never going to produce anything good. I know okay. a lot of writers force themselves to write every day. And they say things like, you can edit a bad book, but not a blank page. Yeah. And I just find that that approach doesn't work for me at all. So when I'm going through a dry spell, I just need to wait it out and do other activities that inspire me, like reading and watching TV shows, going for yeah, walks. Of course. Yeah. And eventually things will start flowing again. But forcing it is just never a good idea. No, I, I, I know that feeling myself. Like if I get to that point where... I have a great discipline and I do have a great routine, but if I'm just sitting there and I want to look at anything else but the page, then I know I need to go away and watch a show and do crafts. And I call it like, it's awful, but then terminology I'm about to use, but I, it's like plumbing to me. Like I've got a blockage and I need to like get the good old, uh, you know, Drano in there. And that's, you know, for me, it, it'll be like sewing or, diamond stitch you know diamond painting or painting or doing something that's creative but it's creative to clear out like the mess and the crap and to just to let me find <laughs> yeah, my way kind of gross but i think that's a good metaphor for it yeah i've never done a great metaphor that hasn't been gross could i just fyi <laughs> i don't know if it's my personality or what but i've never had a metaphor that's like doesn't make people go Ugh. You know, <laughs> um, those are the metaphors that stick with you, though. Yeah, I think it's also part part of my Scottishness because, like, we like <laughs> gross jokes and stuff. So I I think that's maybe where that's rubbing off on. So let's talk a little bit about your life, um, and this is where readers really can connect to you because they kind of feel like you're not this mythical person who's got servants cleaning your house and buying your food and you know like you put your trousers on one leg at a time just like all the rest of us you know so this is just a good way of like reminding people that we're human too and that we have stresses and strains and stuff what is the first thing you do when you want to de-stress from editing and writing where what do you you know where do you go um i always try to get some exercise every day so whenever it's nice enough outside, I'll go for long walks in my neighborhood and listen to music. I live in Minnesota, so there's only like a few months out of the year that I can do that. <laughs> I was going to say, you have the same trouble as me with the weather. <laughs> yeah, the weather is beautiful right now, though. We're caught in that perfect time of year. So oh, that's I'll go lovely. for long walks every day. Yeah, it really helps we're... me clear my head. And sometimes I end up solving problems or coming up with ideas yeah. while I'm doing that. Because yeah, you probably get like the closest to the Scottish weather than anyone in the U.S. Like yeah, you get probably. the rain and the snow <laughs> and the thunderstorms and you get it. Your weather, your weather beaten like the rest of us are <laughs> yes. over here. Our summers are very hot and muggy though. 
So not not a fan of the summers then. I do I do like summer, but spring and fall are the perfect times of year where you can actually go outside and not and not melt into a big puddle. Yeah, yeah. No, I okay. I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> what hobbies do you enjoy outside of riding, and what ones do you wish you had more time that you could explore and try? Um, aside from reading, I really like outdoor activities like hiking, biking, hammocking, swimming. Ooh, okay. Nature to be like really yeah. healing and inspiring. So I'm definitely at my happiest outside. I'd like to get more adventurous this summer and try to do some camping or kayaking or something like that. Oh, I love and, kayaking. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also a huge nerd, so I'm also into anime and cosplay and tabletop gaming, going to conventions, stuff like that. I love that too. Funny enough, I am a League of Legend gamer, so I game. Um, I will not tell you what my handle is because I don't want stalked on League. Um, but <laughs> I'm not very good at League, actually. To be honest with you, you don't want me on your team. But I have not played it, but I was a big fan of Arcane. Yeah, I, to be honest with you, it is an amazing place, and it's it's where I go when I want friendship, and I feel very lonely because like I've never been really away from Ian for any length of time. But now that he drives buses, he's away for like most of the day, and I get you know you can get lonely as a writer if there's not somebody in the house to talk to, and um. So yeah, I'll go on League and I've got some great friends. I've got Val, who's um, one of my most amazing friends. She herself kind of keeps me right. And, you know, she reminds me of when I'm being dumb or when I'm kind of not not getting something. And then I've got Jack, who, um, who absolutely kind of just lifts my mood and stuff. And I feel a sense of weird sort of family on there it's like you know i've been friends with some of these people for eight nine years and no matter what i'm going through they're always there and and i love that so but yeah come yeah. come join us on league and have some fun and <laughs> i can't guarantee that you won't get sucked into the black hole of league yeah that's what i'm afraid of i have a very obsessive personality so i feel like it would just consume my life it, it actually I find it doesn't like I feel like it's a great reward see if I've done like X amount of writing during the day I can go on and like catch Jack and Fallon I'll say yeah do you want a game or like to get me going in the morning it's good to just go on and have a game with them and like have a laugh and talk to them and it gets it gets my my juices flowing and it kind of just puts me at ease for the day I feel feel resourceful after that like especially if I've had a bad match and I like lose, but um, they're pretty good at like making me win. And a lot of the times they'll say things like stop doing that. Like <laughs> if I'm not like farming or playing it very well. So um, <laughs> but yeah, no, come, come join us. If you enjoyed the, the series, you'll, you'll definitely have the opportunity to enjoy the game. So yeah, yeah it was a great series. What would you, um, if you could be one thing, anything in the world, and you could do one thing for an entire day, what would it be and why? Um, this answer would probably change for me on a day-to-day -day basis. But right now, I'm thinking I'd really like to go whale watching. Oh, 
I live in the yeah. Midwest, so I don't, I don't get to see the ocean very often. So I guess I kind of romanticize it. Really <laughs> Trust me, like it's not that fun to live next to it. Terrified of ocean creatures, especially whales. And I've never gotten to see one in real life, so I think that would be really well. Cool. I'll I'll share a funny funny story with you. I grew up with ocean, no matter where I went. Literally, mm-hmm. where no matter where I went in the island, it was like it stalked right. you. You could see it. You could hear it. Um, and one day I was swimming with my friend and seals decided that we looked like good playmates. And I had to swim very fast back to shore because a seal took a fancy to my foot and kept nibbling at my toes and my foot. And it was wanting to play, but I was scared it would be thinking I could be a future mate or something. So I was like (laughs) just speed rolling through. And another one of my friends, she does a lot of like ocean swimming and uh, there was one day she was swimming across like this little cove and this big white whale just sort of like orca I think they called it was like rolled right past her but she had to like stop in case it thought that she was food and then she just had to like really slowly swim and it swam with her for a little while as it say are you food I'm not sure and then she got to like dry land and everyone was so relieved because we literally thought she was going to get eaten um, because it had come in for the seals because we have a lot of seals where I grew up. And yeah, yeah so we were a bit nerve wracked. But yeah, I grew up with orcas all around my islands and seals and otters. And otters are a little bit vicious. They will bite you. Like you could be hanging out <laughs> your washing and they run up and they just start snapping at you because you're they consider you like too close to where they're like they're nesting or whatever um so i got chased a lot by otters and like that kind of thing in fact there's an otter that visits my my parents house because uh the previous owner used to feed it fish they used to hang a fish on the door of the shed so every so often this otter comes up as if to say where's my fish that's your tax (laughs) You know, my my dad's like, go away. <laughs> he's he, he's not a fan. Uh, he's a bit scared of them. So, yeah, that that's the stories for you, anyway. If maybe maybe I've just increased your love of the ocean, but uh, <laughs> it's beautiful, but not always friendly. <laughs> I'm definitely jealous of you getting to live on an island. That sounds really cool. Yeah, and Shetland, you know, has some of the most beautiful sights. We get the Northern Lights. Uh, from May to September, the sun never sets, but it also means we have Amazing. the longest, darkest winters. Like we get a few hours of sunlight a day, and it's very dark and it's very suffocating a little bit. Um, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it makes up makes the summer makes up for it in a way. So, yeah, you should uh, if you ever get the chance, you should you should check it out for sure. I would love to. I would love to visit Scotland in general. And we have a lot of history of nothing else. And we're very, very welcoming and friendly on the mainland of Scotland, at least. And we have, like, a huge, just amazing places for you to go and see and visit and explore. You have the best accents, too. (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. But, yeah, some of us do. Um, some people have really thick accents that even I can't understand and I've lived my entire life here so well, I really like your accent oh thank you this is my uh, podcast accent if you actually heard like my Scottish it's like very thick and fast and 
This is my Cali. <laughs> they call it my Cali accent because uh, I had a lot of American friends who sort of taught me how to speak slower and better. So, <laughs> so for me, I've got um, idiopathic rheumatoid arthritis, and it really makes me slow down and appreciate the day and smell the roses and just, you know, be a part of the world. What would you say kind of makes you slow down and appreciate the day and and the roses and everything around you? That's interesting because I also have rheumatoid arthritis. Ah, see? Connecting with everyone. Yeah. (laughs) I was actually diagnosed when I was like 17, so I've had it for quite a while. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very difficult. And I think especially when you get it as a teenager because you've kind of had that life where you've not had it before and then all of a sudden your life's changing and it's it's very difficult whereas I got it at two and a half years old so I've never known life without it um and I think I always was living in hope I'd grow out of it but some sometimes you can and I I unfortunately I have the type that you can't um and I've had joint replacements I just had my my joints done so it, it it's very difficult and I think people with these sort of conditions you know you almost have to learn how to live with it and mm-hmm. I've had to learn how to balance it you know I'm one of these people that want to do like 101 things a day and just go with it and just get on with it but I have times where I suddenly have to go to hospital for like a week or a month or whatever and I have to kind of learn to slow down and stop and just give my body a chance to heal and stuff. So I, if you ever yeah. need advice on that, you know where I am. And I, I've known all the medications and all the trials and stuff like that. So please feel free to reach out anytime that you just want a bit of advice or you just don't want to feel – because arthritis makes you feel very lonely because – you know, there's there's not a lot of young people that have it. Um, right. I think everybody associates arthritis and arthritic condition with elderly people and really old people, but it's mm-hmm. it is affecting more and more uh, younger people. And I would think I'd like to know why that is. Like I, I mean, for me, it was diphtheria that started mine. Do they have any idea why yours started? No, but I've definitely had people throughout my life tell me not believe me that I have arthritis or tell me that I'm too young or just in general assume that I'm able-bodied because I'm young. Yeah. And it's it's not always the case. No. And it's, it's very difficult when you have an invisible disease and that's what I call it. It's like, it's like our invisible friend that never goes away. I named mine. (laughs) Funnily enough, if you name your condition, it makes it easier for you to deal with it because when you're having a bad day, you can almost shout at it. Um, and tell it off, you you know, like, so I named mine Archie because it was a mixture of the letters of the hospital I lived at. And it was also like, because I always felt like he was like the male side of me that gave me that fire and that determination and that kind of like drive. And I, I know I'm never, ever going to be fully alone because he's with me and it's a part of me, but I get very annoyed at him. He gets shouted at a lot, to be honest. <laughs> I'm like, you damn you, why are you this. talking that for today? I wanted to go do something. You know, so um, it, it, it can make it more a lighthearted way of dealing with the condition. 
um, and it make, can make it feel less frustrating for you. So, yeah, feel free to name yours and uh, almost like <laughs> if you can picture it in your mind as a person that's just like super glued into you, then you can kind of have comfort. You can make it feel less like a monster and and more like a part of yourself. It's a part of your personality, yeah, about part that. of who you are. Yeah. I've been pretty much in remission for the past couple of years. So. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So you found a system yeah. that works for you then? Yes. I'm lucky to have a good doctor. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a bad doctor when I was in my teens. Um, and he like really messed me up. And then I got this doctor here in Glasgow. who's like one of the leading arthritic doctors in Scotland. In fact, he is the leading doctor in arthritic care in Scotland. And yeah, he's got me back to a normal life. He got me back working and he's made me stable enough to start trying for a family. And like, these are That's things great. I never thought I could do because of the way I grew up with it. And he's very much given me my life back. And I honestly, I swear by Dr. Maddock. And I, I hope that so many other people out there give him an opportunity because he literally did. He turned my life around and He's really good at understanding that people are not sensitive and understanding to invisible disease or, or know how to treat it. And he ed he's educating people better now to deal with the mental side of it rather than just the just the physical. Because it is very taxing, it's very draining. So Yeah, absolutely. So what's your favorite place to curl up during the day? Is it like a garden, a cafe? Do you have a reader's nook that you go to? Where do you just like to kind of cozy up with a book? Uh, definitely my backyard. It's kind of a paradise. My partner is really into gardening, so he's working oh, on some great. beautiful gardens back there. Yeah. And we also have a bee box, so there's lots of bees Ooh. buzzing around. Saving also... the bees is good. Yep, saving the bees yes. is good. So also we a lot a of birds, squirrels, and rabbits, and we have friendly neighbors who wander through the yard sometimes. And that's they lovely. got a really cute patio set, so that's where I do most of my work and writing. Yeah, no, that sounds amazing, because for me, I can't sit out in the garden at the moment, because I'm on like an antibiotic regime, and I miss it so much, because I want to just curl up in the garden on a nice little sofa set with my book and a little blankie, and... Like, I know I shouldn't fall asleep, but sometimes I do fall asleep because that's the condition. <laughs> but um, I I miss that space. I used to have a big conservatory and I liked sitting in there. And it was always really, really hot in the summer, but it was like freezing in the winter. But it was still like <laughs> my space to go to. And um, so, yeah, that's my dream for the future is to have a beautiful place that I can read and I can write and I can feel safe to sit in and just enjoy so yeah, yeah. That's, that's I've lived in apartments for most of my adult life so I haven't had a backyard for a really long time I recently moved into a house so wow very excited about the backyard. Yeah. that's amazing it really really is so now on to our word game which everybody usually freaks out over because it's a very difficult thing um <laughs> But it's just designed to be fun and introduce people to new books or new ideas or stories and memories that we have. And it continues that route to make us feel fun, you know, like approachable and, and for us to have really good friends. So your first word is cedarwood. 
which is um, a type of tree. It's also a type of oil that's really good for arthritic people. Yes. So that reminds me of the Cedarwood Pride series by Megan Slayer. Oh, okay. I haven't actually read yet, but I've seen it many times because it's published by Pride Publishing. So Ah, is that on your TBR? What was that? Is that on your to-read list? Oh, yes. Sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I know that feeling. I, I have a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> what about Lavender? Um, that reminds me of a book called Lavender House. Oh, okay. Um, I think the author is Lev A.C. Rosen. Wow. And it's a queer, it might be a queer romance. I haven't read it yet. But... Sounds nice. I like it. What about Toffee Apples? Um, so there's a book called Toffee Apple Must Do Better in Love by an author named Muddy Frank. And I think it's kind of a queer um, comedy romance. I like a convented comedy. So that that's one to look out for guys, you know? What about Candy Floss? Um, there's a book called Candy Floss Pink by Cameron James, which is Ooh. also queer, I believe. I'm liking these. I'm liking these a lot. So um, I know these are the words where you've kind of gotten stuck on, but we'll go for them anyway. So even if it's just like the first word that comes to your mind, um, just, you know, go with it and see what happens. What about ice cream cakes? I, I, I gotta say, I honestly can't think of anything. That's okay. That's fine. Don't, don't worry about it. Um, ice cream floats, you know, like the juice, and then you put like the ice cream in it, and it's like ice cream floating in juice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Stuck with that I one. I just really, I, I'm sorry. I just really can't think of. Oh no, it's fine. So don't, do not worry about it, honey. Honestly, don't worry about it. Last and not least was ice cream shops. Yeah, again, nope. I got nothing. Well, actually, funnily enough, did you figure out what the theme of the word game was for you? Uh, food. <laughs> so my idea was almost like you sitting in a wild back garden with ice cream treats that your partner had made you, writing and reading <laughs> books and just living your best life in a beautiful world. So I, that's where I came up with that idea. Cause as soon as I saw your picture and I read about you, I was like, ah, I know exactly what game that uh, words to give them, to give them like that almost feel of being in that garden and in that beautiful, beautiful space. So that was my plan. Um, but yeah, so honestly, it's been such an honor having you here today. And we really would like to invite you back and invite all of Pride Publishing to join us. And, you know, if when your next book's ready to come out, please uh, email me and I'll book you in and we'll, we'll get you on the show and we'll have some fun. Does that Absolutely. sound like an idea? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It is, it's been a true honor. So next week, guys, we are going to have another author coming on. She is 
she's published 42 books and she's got more upcoming and she is going to be incredibly entertaining so you are not going to want to miss next week and i shall see you all again soon